From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. Very excited today to have a a guest, a local guest, a guest that I've known many, many years. Um, We bumped into each other recently at a wedding, and I asked him to do a podcast, and he happily agreed. So today we are interviewing, speaking to Mark Feldman, who's the CEO of Zion Tours, who came to Israel in August 1981 and was able to turn Zion Tours into the largest American-owned travel agency in the Middle East. He recently, a few years ago, merged with Diesenhaus BTC and is the director of the Jerusalem office. In addition, he is also a columnist with the Jerusalem Post. He's the chair of AMI, Awakening Jewish Identity, which through arts and culture in high schools, which is to strengthen Jewish identity affiliation. And he is born with the gift of laughter and a sense that the world was mad. Welcome, Mark. <laughs> and here you, and Lovely introduction. And here you're laughing, so that that's a good one. Yeah. And I think you and I also, I think probably... 30 years ago, uh, sat on the first uh, committee to help Olim with mortgages, if you remember. Uh, I think you were, I remember, you were and, and I'm still involved. You, you represented the, the Olim from L.A. Uh, there was some Florida, I think Montreal. I was sort of just a generalist on the on the thing, although there may have been some money from Chicago. So it's, it's good to reconnect, and thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Let me get right into it. Um, people are traveling like never before, and, and Israelis might be leading the list. Have airlines and the tourism industry in general kept up with this increased demand coming from Israel? Uh, m- m- most definitely. Look, the, the biggest revolution for Israel uh, was six years ago we had the open skies. And it allowed all of these airlines, the Ryanair, the Wizz to large international airlines like Cathay Pacific and Hanan Airlines to start flying to Israel. Um, they were subsidized by the government at the beginning, but once they proved that the market could take them, they did it. And, and the consumer benefited tremendously. The average price of the tickets has dropped 32% in the last 10 years. Wow. It, it's just the only industry that I'm aware of where prices have actually gone down. Interesting. So let me just add something to this question. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Is the the better pricing led to more people traveling or was there was such a demand for travel by Israelis that it just became more competitive in all these new players. No, no, no. It, this is really, you have to give credit, okay, to the, to the Israeli government that pushed through this open sky agreement with Europe, okay, that got a plethora of airlines to come here, um, and these European airlines made money. We were low-cost carriers, not what we call legacy carriers, okay? The legacy carriers are getting their tushies killed, okay? The low-cost carriers with a much lower overhead labor feed okay is able are able to make it work as the israeli economy continued to grow our biggest markets became the far east and north america so as we came farther and farther in the far east and as well as india 
those governments also said, well, why should they all be getting all the benefits to fly to India or to fly to Beijing or Hong Kong? And the national carriers started coming here as well. So there are actually more airlines flying from Israel to China than from Israel nonstop to the United States. There's only two U.S. carriers that fly to the U.S. Wow. United Airlines wow. and Delta. That's it. Wow. No American, That's no. Amazing. But from China, there are five carriers that fly nonstop from cities in China. That's our future. Hmm. That's our future. Wow. And that's where the tourism industry is going larger and larger and larger. Um, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it, these new places have opened up. These new tourism places have opened up. Um, and, and Israelis, like you said, I, I think the Japanese are winning, but we're number two as per capita travelers in the world. Number two. <laughs> it's also unbelievable. It's also to be fair to the listeners. Our landlocked countries, okay, Lebanon and Syria and Egypt and Jordan, are not exactly the most friendly to Israelis and their money. That is okay. true. That so, is so true. That is usually, true. when you want to go abroad, most of our clients prefer to get on a plane. You know, I don't know if you share the dream. I always sometimes fantasize that someday we could get in our cars and drive to Beirut for a long weekend. But I know we're not there yet, but uh, it would be nice someday. Been there, done that, but that's another story. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you may have already answered my second question. You've told us about the open skies, the, the, the increased travel to the Far East, but I, I'll still ask it. Uh, you've been in business for many years, and while many industries have come and gone, what have been the most dramatic changes in the travel industry since you began your career? Oh, without a doubt, the Internet. Without a doubt, the Internet. It's made a much more educated passenger. It's made our jobs actually much easier, okay? In other words, in the old days, you would come to me and say, Mark, give me a recommendation for a hotel in London, okay? Today, the intelligent travel consultant puts it around, and we say, okay, what do you want to do, Phil? And you said, well, I heard about this place in Russell's. No problem. Then we book at your place. You've checked. You've read about it, okay? You come to us because you think we can get a, give you a better price. But you've done your research, and that's because of the Internet, okay? It makes our job so much easier, as well as having the access to it, okay? We, we may have more information than the average consumer, but when the consumer gets involved and, and knows about this, it makes it so much easier for us to sell than trying to explain to them, okay, to get to Kuala Lumpur, you have to transfer planes. And the passenger already knows it. That's why they're asking the question. They want to know the most efficient way. Interesting. So the Internet has been the best thing. It also increased our productivity tremendously. When I started, it was phones, okay, and now our computers, you know, our global distribution systems, you know, uh, allow us to have answers in nanoseconds, okay? It, it, the systems that are created, the large GDSs are billion-dollar companies, okay? And the amount that they've invested in technology far surpasses to what the average consumer gets online. So it's a comparison, it's a meta-crawler searching that we get in three or four seconds. So the productivity has gone through the roof. It's interesting because I, there was an article last week, and I'm not sure where I saw it. It was, it was saying that one of the few, few industries that has been able to resist change in the United States is that of real estate brokers. In other words, they are still somehow able to charge that 6%, and then they were comparing it to the from real estate agents to travel agents. And according to this piece that I read, it said something like there may have been 100,000 
travel agents a decade ago now there's half of that number does that make sense to you that there's less people working in the industry yeah without a doubt so i i think the leisure traveler okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. buys online okay because to be clear this look for, first let's understand what is the difference between purchasing to a travel agent and buying online okay it's a very basic thing when you purchase with a travel agent you don't have to buy the ticket immediately. Correct. Okay? I have yet to find a site online which doesn't require my credit card, okay? But we have already now, okay, about 450 reservations made for the day after Yom Kippur before Sukkot, okay? Those Mm -hmm. three days are the busiest days, okay? Because people tend to stay here for the high holidays, but they travel right afterwards. Gotcha. Interesting. Not a single ticket has been issued. Right. But they've all made their reservations. Mm -hmm because they didn't have to buy it. So they know that with a travel agency, their seat is locked in. Not the fare, but they know have a seat on the plane. And, and, but for the leisure person who decides he or she wants to go to London or has a wedding in New York in two weeks or has to pop over to Joburg, there's very little we can really add, okay? And, 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 mm-hmm. and, and, and I encourage people, you know, take, take Southwest, okay? One of the best airlines, okay? Phenomenal airline customer service, okay? They don't work with travel agents. Wow. Mm-hmm. They don't work mm-hmm. with Expedia. They don't work with Bricks and Mortar. The only way any of our listeners, our clients, can book a ticket on Southwest is they must go to one site only, the Southwest site. Mm-hmm. Well, that works. That's a leisure business, and it's fine. And I've got business people who, when they wanted a flight in between two cities, and Delta or United, the legacy carriers, I said, go to Southwest. Good airline, allows your bags be checked in, great thing, much cheaper than anything that we can offer, and why not? In this business, like in many businesses, but this is, you need to be honest. Mm-hmm. You need to let people know. We cannot do it all. And those travelers that, that are honest enough to say we can't do it all, they thrive. The nonprofits, the business clientele, okay, they want that travel agent. They need the travel agent. You know, as you know, nonprofits in this country can't have a credit card. So whether it's Hadassah Hospital or the Association of Cancer, they must go through a travel agent. So that's that's where our business has grown. Uh, closed groups, you know, when you're doing a kosher tour, okay. That well, that's actually my, that's actually my next question. Well, I, I, I seg in for you. I help you. See, it's a, <laughs> it's a, na- it's a natural progression we have. So, uh, kosher travel was once confined to going to a hotel in the Catskills or Miami Beach. How would you describe the phenomenon of kosher travel today? Look, let's go back. There's a company called Kosher Rica, okay, that actually started the trend for high-end kosher travel, okay? It's called Kosher Rica because what did they do? Like most of the kosher organizers, they started with Pesach hotels, in this case in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how Kosher Rica got started. It became so successful that they realized they could take Pesach places all over the world. So, 10 years ago, Pesach travel all over the hotels, Acapulco, Jerusalem, Mexico, every place offered these places. Then they realized well, people do stuff besides Pesach. Let's start organizing a kosher tour. And that opened up avenues that until then never existed, okay? And the kosher travel has been the biggest growth. People are willing to spend an incredible amount of money for kosher food. 
an incredible amount of money, okay? Mm-hmm. Far more than the average person who in the days would just eat vegetarian on a trip, okay? They want three meals a day. They want good quality food, okay? Not an airport meal like, you know, you see some of these cruise advertisements say that you can book a kosher meal. That's just an airline meal, a frozen meal that they reheat in an oven, okay? These are kosher tours with good meals, um, all over the world, it can be done. It can be done. We, we've been doing tours to Morocco, to India, to France, to Russia, kosher Alaska cruises. There is a market for that. No, it's amazing. The high-end market will pay. Any synagogue that I walk into or the one I go to, there's never a week. There is some flyer or some you know weekly uh, magazine that, I think most of the ads are for some type of kosher trip. It's uh, it's it's quite amazing. With regard to outgoing tourism, is outgoing tourism like the fashion industry where new fads emerge? In other words, are the destinations that are becoming popular? And if so, where are, where are they? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, many, many, many people are influenced. Okay, when they hear that the Cohens went to Saloniki. They want to go to Saloniki. When, when, when they hear about the Steins going to Georgia, they want to go to Georgia. So, yeah, you know, last year the biggest trend was Saloniki, okay? In Greece, okay? Where there, two years ago there were no flights nonstop to Saloniki. Now we have three different airlines flying nonstop to Saloniki. Wow. We don't have, th- we don't have three flights a week. We have three flights a day. Massive place, really, really good. People are enjoying it, loving it. There's some lovely history. Resorts are good. And you can even get kosher food in addition. This year, Georgia is really big. People have discovered Georgia, okay? Not Atlanta, still right. gotcha. the country. And it's really beautiful accommodations, some gorgeous scenery to see, um, and, and Georgia has become really, really in, okay? People do look for new places. In other words, if we know it's cheaper to travel, it means people are traveling more often, which means they've done London, they've done Paris, okay? What about the Maldives, okay? What about Indonesia? So, yeah, they most definitely you, you, you see year after year what becomes in, okay? What becomes popular. Your, your question, though, is quite correct. These are fads, mm-hmm. okay? It's, it, these are really fads, okay? Going, going to Baku, Azerbaijan, is very, very nice. I don't think it replaces going to London and seeing a show and doing some shopping, but that's what people want, and we provide it. Let's talk a little about getting to these uh, new or old places. We all hear complaints that that there seems to be less legroom when flying economy. Is is that true, or are we just getting bigger? Um, and are, are there any strategies for getting more legroom? It's not an either or. First, there is less room in flying economy class. And yes, we are also getting bigger. So both are correct. Okay. okay. So, so it's not a zero sum, okay? Okay. Um, yes, look, they do pack more people in here. We've all seen it. They made thinner seats to even pack more seats in it. Flying economy on most airlines is like taking a bus, okay? Um, the airport experience, which is part of it, is crowded very enough personnel or these new self-kiosks that they want you to do it yourself and weigh your own bags and then pay for the bags. Flying is no longer the luxury it is. It's a mass transit. Mm -hmm. So when you're flying economy class, not just on the low-cost carriers, but even on the other carriers, okay, you have to understand that it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, okay? You get what you pay for. What the airlines have done 
is realized, okay, that these ancillary fees, okay, amount to billions of dollars. So the old days you would get a ticket in economy class and it would give you a seat, a check bag and a meal. Those days are long gone. Wow. Your listeners know that today, okay, even if you flew El Al to South Africa, okay, a 10-hour flight, you buy the cheapest economy, you don't get a pre-reserved seat, you can't take a bag, and don't speak to me about food. <laughs> so yes, okay. economy class has become the mass transit, okay, and the airlines do everything they can, pay a little bit, pay $10 more for a better seat, pay $30 for an aisle. Pay 50 for an emergency exit seat. And you know what? If you have money, try our new thing called premium, okay? So you now have on planes economy, premium, and business class. Premium is like four rows, bigger seat, two on the side, three in the middle, but it comes as a, as a steep price. It's like $500 more. Would you say pr- premium is economy of years gone by? I'd say it's a little bit better than economy, okay? Because no matter what, you and I never flew, you know, the 747, which was 343, this is two on the side, three in the middle, two. This is like a poor man's business, okay? It's a way, and and, and what we do is we get the people, we rarely get the people in business downgrading, we get the people in economy, okay, with a little bit more disposable income. Right. Or we call it all the time in our business, ski, spend kids' inheritance, (laughs) okay? who decide to spend and treat themselves a little bit better for that five-hour flight to London, that 12-hour flight to New York. If you're a little bit larger than normal, flying economy yeah, I, can be painful. I'm, I'm aware. It, yeah. it can be really stuck in a seat. It, it, just, it, it really, really is just nothing. So, yeah, and the low-cost carriers, in other words, my, my daughter, when she goes to London, she flies these low-cost carriers, okay, and she looks like a snowball because she has to wear 10 outfits. <laughs> Okay, because otherwise they would charge her for the carry-on or for the check bag. So, so she knows, you know, and the younger people know, if you're going to do it, put everything possible. We're, we're concerned that the next thing will be that they start charging to use I the restrooms think. on the plane. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, so far, no, but when that happens, okay. I won't be surprised. All right, let's, let's turn back now to Israel for a moment. We, we hear about record number of tourists arriving every year. Are, are there enough hotel rooms in Israel to provide them all with a good night's sleep? No. Mm-hmm. Point blank, no. Our, our ability to get a hotel approved by the Ministry of Tourism to get the licensing built can be a five, six-year process. What, what's happened, and most of us who live here the last three years, is we've seen a plethora of these boutique hotels popping up, okay? Literally like mushrooms after a rain, okay? All over here, okay? It was, it was a Kupat Holim, an HMO, now it's a hotel, okay? It was a post office, now it's a hotel, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the prices of these prices are not cheap, Gotcha. The, the, the hotels in Israel, to begin with, are very, very expensive. Uh, the hotel industry will give you the excuses that labor is expensive here, balderdash. They'll tell you that we're a very large country to bring food to the Dead Sea, balderdash. It is because people will pay it. Mm-hmm. When I have clients that ask for me to book them the Waldorf Story or the David Citadel or the Hilton, I start my emails by apologizing when I have to give prices of five, $600. Our hotel rates rival New York or London, okay? They do not rival the rates of most of Europe or the Mediterranean where we're located. Our hotel rates are overpriced because supply and demand. It's economics 101. There is not enough hotel rooms 
to force them to lower the price. So what do they do? They do Airbnb. Right. Okay, so the hotel loses out on the income. Okay. The people lose out on one of the best things of Israeli hotels, which is Israeli breakfast. Right. I, I think Israeli breakfast are, in all honesty, the best I've ever had. I think they're phenomenal, okay? And if you stay in an Airbnb, obviously you're not going to get that Israeli breakfast right, hotel. Right. But you're going to save 30 or 40%. Oh, sure, absolutely. From that point of view, that's been the thing to answer of not enough hotel rooms. Can you share one of your favorite stories of being in the travel business for so many years? We're here for two things. One, to make dreams come true. And we've done that constantly, okay? I always, always prefer sending a person for a SIM cup. Right. But but I'll tell you the story that that resonates in my mind all the time, okay? And, and this is the most important thing. My kids grew up in our pediatrician in Jerusalem was, was Dr. Peggy Levine. Mm-hmm. Peggy Levine had a son, Daniel Lewin. Sure. In an elite yes, army yes, unit, yes. moved to the army, okay? He was the first person killed in the attacks of 9-11. Mm-hmm. We had him on a plane from Boston that we booked him a ticket in business class. He had a startup company that had done well and raised money. He suspected something, and the terrorists sitting next to him stabbed him to death. And if any of your listeners go to 9-11, pull up Daniel Lewin on the, on the wall there at the 9-11 mural, and you'll see his picture and his name and his story that he is considered the first victim of 9-11. What happens? Like everybody who was around there, we're suspended. Air flights all over the world are done. But we have to get Peggy, Dr. Levine, and her husband out there. And there's no way to get her out there. She knows there's no chance of finding her son, but still, she has to get out there. We had to move mountains. We had to go up to Shimon Terrace to get her on a special plane to fly out to New York and then up to Boston to be wherever her son might have been. Okay? So for that, to me, is probably the most meaningful part of my of my business it's oh. a story that uh you very know very dramatic it, it just really means very it. dramatic yeah my, my, my favorite story my, my stories in the business are saving people it, it's it's when they're stuck and getting them on a different airline okay it's when the mother of three is stranded someplace and the airline says sorry okay we can get you out in two or three days it's when the airline goes on strike we solve problems that's the basic thing we are here to solve problems okay and however we do it however it takes we solve problems and that's what that's what a good travel consultant does that that's what i do that's what my staff does um and those people that still use travel agents that's what you seek you seek somebody who's innovative who will do everything to get you there inexpensively in style and if there's a problem he or she is there for you that's what the industry is still about. It's a service industry. We know that our clients have choices. So we will do everything possible they continue to continue to choose. It's interesting. I, I'm just, I have an old friend who's a, a doctor. He's been practicing for many years. And I once asked him, what, what's the best part of the job? He said, the best part of the job is when someone walks in with something in their eye okay and they're in terrible distress and he can remove it okay because he said you the the pleasure of bringing someone relief complete he said there's nothing comparable so it, it seems to be on the same Very the similar, same line exactly. okay exactly. my final question where do you like to vacation to look for me i, I prefer sea and sun for me we call it a three book holiday you know if i can get to some island and just veg out mm-hmm. And I can read three books in five days. For me, that's the ideal thing. 
In other words, li living here and having family in the old country, in the United States, means that more often than not, I have to go back to Los Angeles, where I'm from, to visit family um, for Simchot and things like that. But when I can choose the vacation, I'll take a Zanzibar, I'll take a Greece, I'll take the Maltese, I'll take any place where I can literally enjoy the view and veg. Mark, it's been a great, great interview. Really enjoyed it. Learned a lot. And uh, I think my listeners are going to enjoy it as well. Thank you very much and keep keep my up pleasure. the good work. And uh, I guess we're going to see just more more and more travel based on if, if this is the trend, uh, people coming, people going, and uh, Israelis in, in more places than ever. Thanks again. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein and Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn. 